Welcome everyone to the next episode of the Send Dog Nutrition Podcast. Today we've got an interview with Dan Rose from The Poor Movement and Dan has a podcast called Dogs and Deadlifts and he interviews Peter and I regarding all things nutrition, dog training, muscle fiber types and even blood tests. We feel this was a really good chat with Dan who He's a, an experienced dog trainer of over 15 years and also a fitness coach of over five years located in Toowoomba, Queensland. We hope this chat with Dan gives you further insight into dog training and nutrition. So grab your drink of choice, sit back, relax, and hope you enjoy this interview. Good morning and welcome back to the Dogs and Deadlifts podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Rose. Today we have uh, some great, uh, great guests lined up. Um, Queenslanders as well. <laughs> uh, we have Brian and Peter from uh, Send Nutrition. Welcome, guys. How are you going? How are you guys? Going, G'day, guys. Yeah, I'm fantastic. I just mentioned earlier. Yeah, I, uh, I quickly ran out, did the uh, did the school run, and uh, grabbed a coffee to get me across the line. And uh, here we are. So, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, no worries, Dan. Thanks for thanks for the invite. Have you had a, a duo on before? No, I don't believe at this stage. Oh, we've got a first. <laughs> yeah, we might have to take our cues. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Why not talk over each other? So. <laughs> no, look, all, all good. Um, you know what? I we'll, we'll just jump straight into it. If that's all right, guys. I know uh, yeah, you guys are we'll pretty be. pretty busy with uh, a lot going on. So, I can um can you give us a little bit of rundown about uh, i suppose first about yourselves um and then you know we'll talk about the the company and how things got started yeah so probably six or seven years ago peter and i sort of struck up a friendship over horses and um i've got a scientist background with the government and uh just being a lab rat and peter had a horse with a trainer that kept getting sick and um, we asked the trainer, hey, what's going on with like the feed and everything? And lo and behold, we, we had a look what they were feeding. It was just overload grain, uh, cooking oil. And we were a bit shocked and we thought, no, something's not right here in this industry. And that's about six or seven years ago in the horse industry. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm from a sales background, Dan. So I've been in sales for about 13 years as well. And um, as Brian mentioned, we sort of, we struck up a friendship through the trainer and, and, you know, I've always been interested in sort of natural health and, and things like that. And we, we got the trainer to do a blood test for that particular horse. And obviously Brian being a scientist, it was sort of, you know, sort of music to his ears. And yeah, he, second nature. Second <laughs> nature. And from memory, I mean, this is a while ago. Mm. Do you remember what was out with that particular oh, horse? It just kept having those sort of inflammation infection, like markers high and, you can get a, a good snapshot from the blood, but you go back into your nutrition, trying to look at what suits the physiology of the horse mainly and what they were feeding. What we found out was, yeah, they, they weren't feeding the right sort of nutrient profile for a horse to flourish internally. So we weren't as clever sort of back then yeah. as, as what we are now. So basically, you know, the, um, the goal was, well, let's find the most intelligent person slash nutritionist in the world mm. um, to let us know what the trainer, you know, was feeding that was incorrect and how do we basically feed something that's correct. Mm. Um, and that was a probably journey of a, probably six to nine months mm. it took mm. yeah. to go back and forth. And long story short, so we don't sort of bore your <laughs> listeners, she, okay. she sort of said, look, 95% of what, that train was feeding to the horse is incorrect mm -hmm. and 5% is correct. And she said, most likely you will not be able to 
get all all that sort of feed that, that you need in Australia because it just doesn't exist. Okay. And that's how the business pretty much started. It was it was by you know sort of pure coincidence. Yeah, just just helping a, a sick horse at the start, and then it was trialing an error with products that we made or sourced, and then our friends started using them and say, hey. Um, can we recommend these to a friend? We're like, this is just a hobby. <laughs> and um, yeah, and, and then it, the demand grew. Um, we got that trust and near now we're Australia-wide, international, exporting. Uh, exporting and um, yeah, and we get results in the end with, with our products. So. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we start, obviously, uh, you know, you started with horses. Um, so how did um, the dogs pop up? <laughs> Yeah, well, when there's a when there's a dog at feeding time for a horse, looking at what the horse is getting fed, um, it, it started with the oil. So the the sen oil is a, a cold pressed flaxseed or linseed oil with antioxidants. So really pure, unprocessed. Um, yeah, no chemicals, no no fillers. And what the what the dogs were doing were just licking the the empty container that the um the horses were getting mm-hmm. and then the the horse owners noticed that their their dogs had better skin coat condition less irritation some of them took their flea collars off and they started asking us hey can we feed this to our dogs yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. we got a bit lucky dan because a lot of our horse clients have dogs as well mm-hmm. so it was you know it was almost look i would say probably 80 percent. i would i would go that high and, and i sort of yeah. said oh as brian mentioned can we feed the horse oil to the dog and mm. and it was it was a natural progression where we sort of had a big clientele mm. that that we didn't know that even existed that we could sort of you know pretty much sort of cross the products over um so like brian said it ended up being the the horse product was fed to the dog and then some of the owners for the horses said look my dog has a gut issue mm. um you know does your horse gut product suit the dog and we said look, no. not really and then we were forced <laughs> you know we were forced, forced to, to make one we were forced yeah. to make one and then the joint issues was how the active came around yeah. and yeah. then we've got the collagen now as well so a lot of the ingredients we sort of mix within you know within both products mm-hmm. but there are a lot well probably half that are dog specific as well that mm-hmm. we you know that we sort of modify the formulas for yeah yeah, yeah awesome um well i suppose uh you know i wanted to ask you and, and i'd be direct you know with with so much confusion i was going to swear then I, I i'll hold back on my swearing today <laughs> um so you know with so much confusion out there in regards to you know we'll, we'll talk obviously about dogs specifically you know um mm. you know you, i often see people spending you know uh hours and hours looking researching um you know going into the pet store and they're just looking at all bits and pieces in regards to food and supplements and they're just confused you know there's there's no doubt about it they're they're confused um so i suppose this is a a um a question you know what is your sort of take on uh you know uh i suppose feeding dogs but also the um you know in regards to supplements as well it could be a personal opinion i suppose on this one Mm. Mm. Well, just from experience and crossing over from horses to dogs, mm-hmm. treating the dog in front of you as an individual, don't look at what your friend's feeding and go, oh, it's going to suit them. It's just like Peter and I, he'll, he'll gain weight off some fast food, but I probably won't. So mm-hmm. is that a different microbiome? Is that a different genetic structure? And it's what, as you said, there's confusion everywhere and we've got to, just feel comfortable with that in ourselves to trial something on your dog 
if it's suiting your dog and you're getting the results, you just, you stay on that mm-hmm. and try not to, um, well, try not to try and get through the noise that is in the industry and go on hype from another, say a product trying to, yeah, trying to convince you to use that. So because from my end then, sorry, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, mate, um, you know, there's so many, um, so much marketing um, in the, obviously, and, and probably not too much uh, transparency in the, in the pet food industry and uh, supplement range, you know, but, um, you know, we've got to sort of wade our way through that. Dan, the easiest way to put it, and I'll, and I'll keep it really short and simple, mm. is um, yeah. if you're a company or even a person, if you've got nothing to hide, mm. then you've got nothing to worry about. So mm. from, from our end with Sen for dogs is we want to be as transparent as possible in terms of we list all the ingredients that we use. Mm-hmm. We, you know, it's basically black and white. You know, if someone calls us and wants a direct question, we're happy to answer it. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we say that our oil is cold pressed. You know, if you look at, say our competitors in a fish oil market, mm-hmm. there's a few simple checks, you know, like your listeners can do first, you know, first check is check whether the, you know, the fish oil has been cold pressed. If, mm-hmm. if you notice 99% on the market, they don't mention the extraction process. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there might be a valid reason for that or, or, you know, or there might be something, you know, that they're trying to hide. And what I'm getting at is that any product that's been modified and, and loses its natural state mm-hmm. is no longer how it was obviously created by nature. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some companies obviously put fillers and products through products to make it seem like you're feeding, you know, like a little bit, but you're getting so much more supply. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't use any of these carriers. It's, it's purely mm-hmm. pure product. Um, a lot of our supplements, you know, pretty much every one of them, we use human grade ingredients um, mm-hmm. in terms of like the turmeric and like the rose hips and things like that, mm-hmm. the collagen, you know, the pro and prebiotics are, are sort of dog specific. So we try to do is source the, the best products doesn't matter if they're the most expensive products because mm-hmm. we want a product that works mm-hmm. and we want to have a place in a market that's just totally different to what everyone else is doing and end of the day if we get results then obviously the clients are going to are going to be happy and we'll keep coming back yeah yeah look and i agree and you know you know like once again in a world that we live in today i believe transparency um you know and hence why we're you know we're, we're talking on the podcast today about um you know um, bits and pieces is is super important and for you know for me to um you know, to align myself with a company or, you know, a particular product, I want to know exactly what's in it, um, you know, and uh, the people behind it as well. So mm-hmm. I definitely feel that, um, you know, the lack of transparency in, um, you know, the pet food and supplement industry is, uh, you know, t- very concerning. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. And just furthermore to what Peter said, mm-hmm. like we've got clients that feed raw, they, yep. they feed fresh, like raw and fresh, mm-hmm. even kibble, just depending on their lifestyle and, and mm-hmm. the time constraints. And what we're trying to achieve is a good, like trying to improve that nutrient profile with good quality supplements mm-hmm. and then then see that response um, in their dog, or see the response the dog can give. Um, yeah, when filling in the gaps that their base diet doesn't um, fulfill. Yeah, for sure. And look, you know, you, you, we, I'm not going to get into a, uh, you know, uh, as we can, um, you know, kibble versus uh, raw or fresh, you know, my obviously preference is uh, raw or fresh, you know, um, mm. you know, however, uh, it just doesn't uh, suit some people, right? Correct. Yeah. Mm. As a company too, Dan, mm. well, sort of one last point on your question is that, yeah. 
it's not about selling products or saying we're the best, you're the worst. Mm-hmm. What our sort of theory is, is we want to educate the end user. So mm-hmm. if you educate the end user, you, you know, you try to share your knowledge that, that, that we've gained. I mean, you know, we work with um, Dr. Patton in America, who's a PhD nutritionist to help us develop the, the dog products. Um, mm-hmm. We work with Dr. Getty in America to help us with the horse products. So we're trying to get these most intelligent people in the world mm-hmm. that have spent their career, obviously, researching, learning this. Mm-hmm. And that knowledge that we've gained at CERN, we want to share that through education. And look, people might take that information and they might, you know, take it and buy another company's products. That's mm-hmm. fine. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a problem. We're not, we're not greedy. You know, mm-hmm. good karma comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, we feel that when we educate, people are going to go, well, you know, these guys are actually trying to help me, which we are. Mm-hmm. And then if they decide to buy our products, you know, that's well and great. But if they don't, at least mm-hmm. they've learned something from from mm-hmm. us and they'll share it with their friends. And at the end of the day, it's going to benefit the animal. And that's what we're about. For sure. And that's what, you know, for me, um, doing this this podcast, I said to someone only just this morning, if someone takes one little piece of information, they listen to my podcast for, you know, 20 to 40 minutes and they take one little piece of information that can either benefit their dog in regards to weight loss or increasing their dog's performance on the on the sporting field so be it you know what i mean like fantastic i've done my uh my little part you know so um i absolutely agree with you education in this space uh, is certainly the key um you know to yeah look at the end of the day we still need to pay bills but you know um like yeah. you said everything comes around you know Look, if, if you're comfortable with your product, if you know that your product's good and even yourself, you know, like with, you know, with the work that you're doing, I mean, you're spreading the good word. Obviously, people are going to, you know, listen to you because you're doing, you know, you're doing a very good service to the, you know, to the community in general. So naturally, people are going to flock to that because everyone's hungry for information. You mentioned there's a lot of confusion. We're trying to, you know, sort out this confusion from, you know, from fiction to fact. And you know, if you can educate Plus, if your products, you know, are obviously getting results, you've ticked a lot of boxes there. Mm. Yeah. So let's, um, I suppose, uh, jump into, um, you know, the, we'll talk about your oil, yeah? You know, obviously you mentioned it just briefly, but um, can you give us a, you know, let's, I suppose, take a little deep dive in for, into your oil in particular, or even we can talk, you know, I don't like to name com- competitors, but, you know, <laughs> um, you know, the, the differences and, and, you know, the, the benefits there um, that someone or, you know, someone can even look out for when they're considering a supplement, yeah? Yeah, so with, with the sen oil, obviously mm-hmm. cold press, no chemical extraction compared to a lot of, say, the cooking oils on the market. You're going through that plant-based source of omega-3 as, a, as opposed to an animal source giving you the end products, the EPA, DHA. A lot of, there's a lot of um, research around with, with the, in the fish oil industry um, trying to, I don't know, it, it tries to drag down the plant-based source of omega-3s through that conversion, but with a lot of this research and just putting the scientist's hat on, in the end, in all the conclusions, it, it does say further research is required. It's very under, under-researched the area. There's no set omega-3 level base or recommended base um, for dogs and even in humans as well. Um, some of the research coming out with for fish oil is a bit alarming because of the vested interests that go on. And um, we, we felt comfortable going down the plant-based option using the dog's physiology or using the horse's physiology to use their own enzymes and drive that end, end point um, and then get the benefit through there. And, and what we see is, is really good results through their skin and, and coat condition, less 
less inflammation and yeah, it, it just provides an additional calorie source for the dog, particularly in performance dogs, it can really give that sort of cool energy source, which can be used for stamina because there's no lactic acid due to the no sugar and starch or carbohydrate portion. Um, so we're hitting two sort of major parts, particularly in a performance dog to, to help them perform better. Um, I just while what popped into my head just now, um, Brian was, um, you know, often, you know, I've worked on the shop floor in the, in the pet stores and, um, you know, often I see people just, just ducking down to their local chemist and grabbing some, you know, some pills and just, you know, or some capsules and putting it in as well. You know, um, can we talk about, you know, uh, the, the open, you know, the craziness that potentially that is as well. Well, we're not we're not even adverse to fish oil in in such like looking for a trusted source is good, but even feeding the whole whole fish like sardines and that is probably mm -hmm. a better way, and ensuring a more natural way with less like say heavy metals and, and toxins and in that sort of space, the research that we keep coming across in that whole thing that whole sort of space is it, it's not fully conclusive. You need fish oil. Um, to drive that those pathways or to get to that end point. And being a less processed plant-based source of oil is a more natural way of giving it to the, the dog. Mm -hmm. But also if people do like the theory of the fish oil, oil way, they can take that on. Mm -hmm. um, and, and also versus, um, I suppose, coconut oils made a bit of an emergence in the last probably what, uh, you know, we'll say number of years, uh, more people um, throwing some coconut oil in there as well. So yeah. so the difference with those, sorry to cut you off, the, the difference between yeah our oil and coconut oil, coconut oil doesn't contain any omega-3 or omega-6, mm -hmm. and it's mainly omega-9, which a dog can make, and it's mm -hmm. mainly saturated fat as well. So mm -hmm. if, you, if you're going to choose a fat source in your diet, we like to get a good omega-3 to omega-6 ratio, and that's where our oil comes into play. Then mm -hmm. I'd like to make a point more sort of along the side of performance, maybe yeah, for, yeah. Your, for your performance listeners. So yeah, there are there are two kinds of people. So obviously some people feed the, the tablets, like you said, for the for the omega-3. And then you've got the other side where they might feed fat for, for performance. And I think this is a bit of an elephant in a room where a lot of people don't mm -hmm. understand that actually fat, mm -hmm. and I mean a healthy fat, yep. is actually healthy for, for dogs. Mm -hmm. um, and what I mean by that is, so dogs are, are pretty much the same as horses in terms of the, the, the muscle fibers that they have. Mm -hmm. They've actually got three muscle fibers. So mm -hmm. a dog has slow oxidative, they've got fast oxidative, and they've mm -hmm. got fast glycolytic. Um, and what that means is that you need to feed a particular food slash nutrition to feed those muscle fibers. So let's just say the, you know, the slow oxidative are for when you're walking on you know, walking your dog. Mm -hmm. When you get into the fast, you know, glycolytic, that's where they need the starch and carbohydrates because that's a very fast way of those muscle fibers contracting and relaxing. Mm -hmm. Fat, basically, in, in, in our opinion, is the missing link because you're feeding both the slow mm -hmm. and the fast. Yep. So that's actually giving you like an energy source, which doesn't build much lactic acid. You know, it doesn't make the dog fizzy. Mm -hmm. um, it's got 60% omega-3. So you're getting all those omega-3 benefits mm -hmm. um, as well as, you know, you're getting a big energy hit. And if you've got a dog that's got a gut problem, you can reduce the, the kibble or the, you know, or the, or the carbohydrates in a diet mm -hmm. and replace that with fat yep. in a very safe source. 
Yeah. Um, to give you an idea, 10, 10 mil of oil is about 30 mil to 35 mil of kibble. Mm-hmm. That, grams, yeah. you know, grams. That's yeah. our energy dense fat is. Um, so if we, you know, if we feed the correct muscle fibers, obviously mm-hmm. with the right portion of fat, the right portion, obviously of protein, the right portion of, of carbohydrates, mm-hmm. that's where you're going to get a really big advantage in performance rather than just saying, well, I'm going to feed, you know, a kilogram of raw, or I'm just going to go, you know, a, you know, a scoop of kibble. You know what I mean? I'm getting very mm-hmm. specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I love it. Well, it, it's actually, it's funny, Peter, because this this morning I um, I woke up very early and I was working on uh, part of an, my online program and I was uh, um, talking about the difference um, between uh, anaerobic and uh, aerobic based exercises. And, um, you know, the, uh, obviously we talk about the ATP and, and the, you know, the, that mm-hmm. en- energy source, you know, I've the course that I'm working on is very basic, but, you know, um, just people understanding that, uh, you know, that um, anaerobic or that high intensity burst of energy of, you know, up to sort of 60, 30 to 60 seconds versus the, uh, the slow marathon type runners that, uh, you know, uses a different energy source. Um, well said. And mm-hmm. out of those three muscle fibers, then two of them are aerobic and only one is anaerobic. So mm-hmm. the slow oxidative, fast oxidative, they're both aerobic, which is, mm-hmm. which is fat. So you, you know, that's best fueled by fat. And then obviously mm-hmm. the fires, you know the fast glycolytic that's that's obviously anaerobic and that's where your starch and sort of sugars come in mm-hmm. yeah and it's all you know your your overall energy system all comes from nutrition <laughs> correct. <laughs> correct. it's like as an example then like if you've got a brand new mercedes-benz and mm. you know mercedes that sort of recommended you know you've got to put you know unleaded you know 98 premium into it and let's just say you're mm. feeling a little bit lazy or mm. you're a bit tight for for cash and you you know you go putting in uh an ethanol blend of 91. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that Mercedes, you know, for the first week, it's going to start running okay. But if you mm-hmm. if you keep putting that that fuel in it, it's not recommended to run that car. Eventually, mm-hmm. the engine's going to cease. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. And also, you know, I love my analogies as well, but go, gone are the days, this is just for my training as well, you know, gone are the days that we uh, we sit down the night before we go to play footy and just carb load. Do you know what I mean? Like just, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, like... I could, I could. Yeah, I can remember, Dean, I used to run half marathons and, and yeah, the, the morning we get all that night before we get everyone together, oh, get all your pasta, get all, just get this carb loading, it's gone. Yeah. We, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> That's exactly right. I think I was introduced um, when I, I was going through a lot of running and stuff like that as well from, we'll talk about human just for a moment. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the keto-based diet, uh, the primal, I think it was Primal Endurance was one of the first books that I, I read about, um, you know, getting rid of carbs and, uh, you know, um, getting out there and, um, you know, doing a, a, a good solid and um, aerobic base work, you know, um, without my heart rate peaking over, say, you know, 120 back, I think it was, it was super, mm. super low, you know, but did I drop kilos? Hell yes, I dropped kilos, yeah. you know, um, got off the off the rubbish, um, all the carbs, and, um, mm. and I was lean and fit. So, you know, taking those principles, <laughs> and let's take them to our, our dogs, whether they be, um, you know, lo- looking to lose weight and or you know, gain performance, we need to really um, educate ourselves and learn and, and you know, uh, definitely go on to the, the days of loading up, um, you know, of let's just say dry full of, you know, uh, full of carbs and, and fillers mm. um, the night before a racing or a, a, not, a night before the event, you know. So getting smarter about how we apply these things to to our 
dogs in a performance world, but also also in a you know in a weight loss world as well. Yeah, hundred percent, Dan. It's yeah. it's getting that physiology of the dog to burn that fuel type, that that fat fuel type, which is more efficient, and doing the adequate training as well in their lead up runs just to burn that that fat portion of the diet. And if you increase that fat portion, you'll promote that in a better way than the carbohydrates and the, the sugars. Yeah, for and sure. Just one point then. Yeah. Um, you know, some people think, oh, geez, fat, you know, like my dog's fat already and I'm going to feed it more fat. It's going to make it even more fat. Mm-hmm. That's not totally correct. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's a there's a big misconception, probably especially in America, because I don't think the labeling sort of requirements are as strict as what they are mm-hmm. in the United States. And and what I'm getting at is the water so- the water soluble carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. And and that's not disclosed in a lot of the feedbacks. And what that means is water soluble carbohydrates is the, is the sugars and starches. So once the dog eats the kibble, mm-hmm. once that kibble gets converted, it gets converted into water soluble carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. You know, and that and that depending on on the kibble, it could be from 30% up to 60%. So if you, if you can imagine some of the cheap ones that are at 60% mm-hmm. in WSC, that's 60 grams of sugar per, per 100 grams of kibble. And over a long period of time, you know, that's going to cause a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I agree, you know, and, um, you know, I've, I'm not sure if you listened to one of the podcasts I did, but, um, you know, we're talking, I was talking to with um, Jay Jack from the States, you know, and we're talking about how um, we're talking specifically about performance and strength and conditioning in the, in the dog world, how he feels that we are, you know, almost 30, 30 years behind right now um, with our dogs compared to our, our humans, you know, um, you know, and uh, we, you know, we may not quite be 30 years, but we are a little bit, you know, we are a little bit behind in regards to our thinking and our, our plan and our strategy, um, you know, but hence why we're doing this type of stuff to help educate, um, you know, um, would you agree with that? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I think, I think we we've come to an understanding of, like dog nutrition and training probably in leaps and bounds in the last five, five to 10 years. Mm-hmm. But it's also the involvement of human health to, to apply those principles, like even with horses and, and dogs mm-hmm. and knowing, yeah, as we touched on the fuel, the fuel types that whole gut microbiome driving the immune system, the gut brain axis with temperament and trying to feed that properly through proper nutrition, then getting a better um, overall health for the dog. And I think there's a change happening too, Dan. We've got, you know, we've had recently sort of vets approaches um, yeah. about working with us to, to educate their staff, for, you know, to educate themselves so they can educate their clients. So mm-hmm. it is all changing. Um, look, to give you an example, you know, if you go back sort of, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, you know, most dogs weren't two, three, four, five years old coming into the vets, you know, with arthritis, mm-hmm. you know, which we think stems from a leaky gut. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and that plays a nutritional point of view. So dogs are more and more frequently visiting the vets. And, you know, the question we have to ask ourselves is if we're feeding correctly, why are the animals getting sicker and sicker? Or, or you know, like they're, they're more frequent on antibiotics. They've mm-hmm. they got candida infections. There's, there's mm-hmm. bacterial, viral. There's all this stuff that's going on. And, and we seem to think it's stemming from nutrition. Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um and and it's not that the owners are not doing their best it's just lack of education you know they think well mm-hmm. you know it's a big brand they know what they're doing we'll we'll just give it this mm-hmm. but end of the day you know there are profits involved as well and every company well maybe not every but a lot of companies especially mm-hmm. the multinationals you know it's all about the bottom you know the bottom dollar mm-hmm. um where we try to go well look yeah like 
you, you need to make a profit, but you also need to make sure that that dog is going to be for as healthy as possible, um, rather than you know coming into the last two years of its life and then you're spending thousands, you know, thousands of dollars on vet bills because you've had poor nutrition for six or seven years. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, I just lost my train of thought then, but uh, look, I'm, I, you know, I'm 100% agree with you. Um, you know, we're we're seeing a, a, a big trend in obviously of education. Um, you know. But uh, let's, uh, that's what I was going to talk about was, um, you know, you mentioned about leaky gut, you know, I wanted to have a, a bit of a, a chat about that. Um, and uh, how, how you uh, have developed the product, obviously, around that and uh, the, some of the, uh, um, you know, the benefits you're seeing around that, if that's cool. We, we've actually got a podcast on that on the, on the Send Nutrition um, webpage too. So sorry to do the plug. Um, <laughs> All good. Halfway through. Um, we, will, we will go through it. So yeah, there is a podcast about 15 minutes. And it's look, it is something that the vets were really passionate about that we, that we sort of caught up with last week. Um, what they said is that they're not really taught how to diagnose it just yet. It is something mm -hmm. that's getting a lot of publicity, a lot of research in the human field, but for animals, it's something that's just sort of been swept sort of to the side a little bit. Um, so we are sort of flying blind a little bit where there's no conclusive sort of diagnosis for it. But Brian will go into probably some of the points that um, that we sort of covered with the, with the vets and, and the podcast too. Yeah, basically um, they did say that like IBS or ir irritable bowel syndrome or anything gut related in terms of, an adverse effect to that intestinal wall due to medications, uh, toxins, um, just a real upset microbiome, anything that is affecting that and then allowing those, the intestinal wall to um, like anything from the environment that shouldn't be into in the blood can pass through and trying to ensure that that wall can be repaired as quickly as possible if they're on medications Mm -hmm. is probably the basis around leaky gut. Mm -hmm. And as an example, like, let's just say like, you know, we had um, one of the stories that, that the vets were sort of saying, you know, they had um, like a four-year-old um, dog. I can't remember what the breed was. Mm -hmm. And it had really, really severe um, arthritis. And I mean, it's like, it's like us humans say, mm -hmm. you know, if we're 30 and we got really severe arthritis, just out of nowhere, we sort of asked the question, well, look, we're too young to, to, you know, to have arthritis. And what mm -hmm. the research we've come across is, as Brian mentioned, is that that bacteria basically escapes out of the gut, gets into the, the you know, the bloodstream and possibly can get into the joints. Mm -hmm. And that's what's causing the actual arthritis. It's not, it's not old age or, or, or lack of calcium. It's just bacteria being in a blood where it's not supposed to be. Yeah, it's one of the one of the puzzle pieces just to tick off. So ensuring that gut health first, if, and then if there's still arthritis, then look at other ways, whether it's an injury or, or genetics involved. But nine, well, not nine times out of ten, but the majority of the time, if you can get that gut health right to ensure that intestinal lining, it just ticks another box, and then you can move on to the next sort of puzzle piece to try and fix in the dog. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to just backtrack a, a, a little bit, if that's okay. Um, so, you know, you mentioned, you know, you got bloods done uh, on the horse, you know, are you seeing people going to their vets and, and asking for bloods? And, uh, you know, if they're, if their vet is, um, you know, obviously some vets are going to be open to this and some are not right, you know, so, um, yeah. you know, what sort of stuff are we looking for? I suppose a bit more um, 
specific for Brian, what, you know, what are we looking, looking to test for? If, you know, if our vet goes, what do you want a blood test for? Oh, nah, blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't think well, you need keep it in layman. <laughs> yeah. well, I keep it in layman terms. So basically a normal screen will just be the hematology and biochemistry. And that gives you a snapshot of what's going on in your dog. So you can, you can assess like liver, liver or kidney um, health from there. You can see the inflammation, infection, if it's anemic or not. So it'll give you a nice overview of what's happening inside the dog. But nutrition-wise, you can't say, oh, it's, it's got high calcium. That means the dog's got too much calcium because calcium is also in the bone. So you're measuring the blood. And if it's high there, is it low in the bone or is it still is it high in the bone? So there's all this um, normalization within the dog's body. So if, if the calcium's low in the blood, mm-hmm. it'll get some calcium from the bone and, and even itself up. So that doesn't mean there is a calcium deficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So in terms of nutrition, it's a blood test won't tell you what's deficient, like definitely, yep. but in terms yep. of whole body health, uh, your body systems of the dog, there even the muscle enzymes. So if there's inflammation in the muscles, you've overtrained, mm-hmm. you can really see those values. So I, I could go into yeah. the specific test. So like creatine kinase is an enzyme that's released when muscle is damaged. Um, mm-hmm. You get that in a response to exercise, but if you don't uh, recover correctly, then that enzyme is is higher for a longer time. So then you've got a muscle issue or you're overtraining. Mm-hmm. that that muscle so yep. um blood tests are really useful um as a scientist for over 15 years you've got to not single out a particular parameter so what i mean by that is you look for patterns rather than like oh that's high and nothing else is high mm-hmm. um people can overread bloods but having a history so say you took a blood test every six months of, of your dog when they're really healthy it's, it's a, probably a good practice because then you've got to, you can refer to what is normal for your dog. And then mm-hmm. when they're sick, then you can see what a sick profile is and then you can adjust the management to that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I suppose this is a, a very open question as well, but, uh, you know, as I mentioned, not all vets are going to interpret those bloods the same, you know, would that, would that be a fair um, comment? Yeah. Or, or, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we do, we do mm. notice that as, mm. as well. So mm. it's what they're comfortable with or what they've been educated in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have called out mm. um, in the horse industry, mm. um, vets over medicating or, or picking out things but whether that's just to cover themselves in the end sure. um, and they're not, not confident and yeah, you can't, I can't sort of comment either way, but mm-hmm. um, find a vet that you're comfortable with, maybe leaning on that holistic side. Um, mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. building up a bit of a database of them, even in Queensland that keep contacting us and yep. getting us going down our theory of nutrition and health for dogs and getting really good results through that because medications they all the vets all these vets are saying to us medications are are fantastic when it's used for a short time to get on top of a condition but chronic medication use is just playing havoc with the with the dog's microbiome with the dog's general health and the side effects are too great so they want to find that natural alternative and then feed better on a daily basis to limit that medication use yeah, for sure. And so look, and sometimes, you know, like I 
I got, you know, I've got a very good vet, but, um, you know, some vets are, I almost compared to like your GP that you go and see, right. They write you out, you write you out a script, you're there for 10 minutes, see you later, you know? So, you know, finding a, a holistic vet or even, you know, um, a specialist in this this space at this point in time is a little bit challenging. I won't lie, you know. Um, yeah. you know but um, I think we're making progress, um, you know, and uh, more are getting more, as you mentioned, a little bit more open and you, you know, developing a database that um, you might have to, you know, do an online consult or, or you know have your bloods taken and then sent off, etc. But you know, it's well worth uh, tracking and and keeping you know um, keep monitoring it. Like I said, whether it be on a six monthly basis. Yeah, you're hundred percent right, Dan. What, what is what is normal for one dog is not could, may not be normal for another dog. So it's really important that when your dog is healthy, probably getting that that blood test done, looking at the parameters and and saying okay the dog is 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 healthy then down the track if they do get sick get another one and then you can see the degree of change and each year obviously as a dog grows up there's different biological and physiology physiology changes within them but yeah it's basically being your own scientist and and sort of getting that database of results for them and then comparing Mm, for sure. Um, I suppose, you know, m- moving on just a little bit, um, something that has come up uh, just recently for me. So it's more specifically around performance dogs at the moment. Um, you know, so uh, let's just say we're, we're doing a high intensity uh, workout session, uh, feeding a dog a small amount of, um, of kibble, also a supplement um, to within sort of 10 to 15 minutes of that exercise uh, ceasing, um, trying to obviously get uh, some of the nutrition and some of the supplements into the uh, the bloodstream as quickly as possible. Um, obviously, there's a little bit of uh, perception around there, you know, be, you know, bloat, etc. Um, would love your take on on you know that type of uh, um, strategy as well. Well, I think you're trying to replenish the sort of the glycogen stores that you've used in that in an mm-hmm. high intensity exercise. Yeah, is that mm-hmm. is that's that correct. correct? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. So, so 100% agree with you mm-hmm. about about that. Probably, there's, no, there's no insulin. Yeah, yeah there's no insulin response in that little window. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the glycogen can go back through into the muscles quicker. Correct. Mm-hmm. With, in terms of the supplementation, we're probably on a view of something a little bit different. Where we would like to supplement, whether it's you know vitamins, minerals, amino acids, or what so forth, mm-hmm. on a daily basis in, in in smaller amounts rather than doing one big hit and going well geez the body's got to absorb this big shock now mm-hmm. yep so um the theory that obviously that we've that we've sort of gone upon with 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 mm-hmm. dr pat who i've worked with is that is that mm-hmm. daily supplementation um slow and steady wins the race is going to be much more beneficial mm-hmm. than a one-off thing so as an example if your if your performance dog doesn't drink enough water um, and if you're not getting the adequate electrolytes or sodium chloride, it's going to be dehydrated mm-hmm. um, during the event. And by you giving the electrolyte product after the event, it's too late then. The, mm-hmm. the dog's already dehydrated and you're, and you're sort of chasing your tail, which affects your performance, if that makes sense. Yep. yep. Yeah. It's still, it's still a good um, practice to electrolyte well after an event, but electrolyte pre-event um, mm-hmm. to ensure that hydration and fluid within the cells is equally important and um we see it rife through the horse industry as well and with performance horses um mm-hmm. it's a performance advantage if you're hydrated properly so yeah. it would be a crossover into the dog performance mm-hmm. 
For sure. I know that you have a um, hydration or electrolyte supplement is uh, for horses. Is that, uh, have you got something for the dogs or is that uh, compatible? Um, yeah, we've got, it's not totally compatible and we're mm -hmm. doing more, um, more research with our nutritionists and mm -hmm. there will be a product later this year because we get that question every week yeah, yeah. and we feed the horse, the horse electrolyte to um, our dogs, but we have a pure product for the horses. So like mm -hmm. no sugar, no chemicals, um, no fillers. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, that's a very successful, um, that's a very successful supplement that we sell Australia wide. Yeah. We're just picky, man. Like if yeah. we're going to release a, like a horse product or a dog product, we normally trial it for six months mm -hmm. before, mm -hmm. before it sort of goes to market. Mm -hmm. um, and look, you know, some companies might say, yeah, it's fine for your dog. It's fine for the horse. And look, it probably is, but mm -hmm. we want to develop something that's, there's no better, you know, like, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, it's like, she's all good. It's like, well, yeah, hundred percent. This is designed for, you know, for yep. dog only. Yeah. Every dog. Oh, look, for sure. You know, like one of my dogs just recently, so I've had him for three months and he's come up from Tasmania to Queensland, you know, um, you know, he, you know, he is struggling mm. with the, with the climate up here. There's no doubt about it, you know? So, you know, um, I've just got to, you know, in regards to hydration, um, you know, training processes, I've got to ease him into it. You know, we, we've got to, um, you know, you got to crawl, let him acclimatize, you know, he's been here for three, almost four months, you know, um, my expectations are certainly not too high, um, at this point in time, because it's, it's middle of summer come from Tasmania, you know? Yeah. And look, and he's probably been possibly on a, on a different diet. And, you know, if you're going to go sort of mm -hmm. cold turkey with what you're feeding, mm -hmm. you know, his gut health might not gel to what he was fed in Tasmania. And then there's the stress of the travel, mm -hmm. you know, he's gone from, uh, you know, a cool temperature to a, to a sweaty temperature with, you know, with mm -hmm. humidity in Queensland. Yep. So there's all these factors that causes stress, you know, that puts pressure on your, on your gut microbiome, you know, that's where mm -hmm. your immune system is. Yep. This is where, you know, where illness can happen. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I suppose, you know, obviously we've talked about your oil. Um, can we uh, jump into, uh, I, I suppose, um, some of your other products that you're, that you're um, you know, that you're obviously offering for dogs now and a little bit about them. Um, let's start with the collagen. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all good, all good. So we use, we use a human grade collagen, Dan, um, which is bovine and, and fish, like yeah. sort of marine. And we use both because, because, you know, the two different collagens have, have different advantages. So we use, you know, we use both and why that product was developed is like, as an example for, for when you sort of listeners are feeding kibble, um, kibble is going to be deficient in the, in the 17 amino acids that, that the collagen has, or if, if it's going to have any amino acids, it's very low. So over time, that dog's going to be deficient in, in those 17 amino acids, um, as it gets older, obviously, if we don't have those amino acids in the body, you know, the body can't sort of, you know, repair and, and sort of heal. So we need, especially glycine and proline, which are around about 50% of collagen. Mm -hmm. They're the two main amino acids that us humans and, and dogs need to, to repair. Mm -hmm. um, and, and unfortunately, kibble, even, even raw or, you know, even sort of premixed feeds, they're all, you know, lacking those amino acids, which, which is a missing link in the diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dan, the, the same collagen was probably also developed just to help those dogs that are prone to injuries, like even conditions like hip dysplasia and torn ligaments, because 90, up to 90% of a dog's ligament, tendons, muscles is collagen. And it really plays an important role with that whole connective tissue and the flexibility around um, that whole structure. So what we found is like the obviously a raw a raw fed diet is is good mm. but any but getting a really pure product of the type 1 and type 3 collagens mm. is 
what we've found the best to rebuild that structure and, and help even the cartilage at the joint site because that's mainly a network of collagen as well. So, and the reason why we don't supplement the type two is because the dog can make the type two out of the type one and type three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm definitely, you know, um, you know, in the, I suppose in the performance dog world uh, over the last uh, couple of years, we're, you know, we're seeing a lot of, you know, shoulder strains, psoas strains as well. Yeah. Um, And, um, you know, obviously uh, I encourage people when they're starting out a, a, a exercise program with their dog, obviously they need a good, you know, for me, a good, um, four to six weeks of um, adaptation for the ligaments, muscles, tendons, you know, especially when it comes to uh, weight training or, or pulling, um, you know, on those, uh, those, those particular joints, muscles, tendons, etc. Uh, so particularly using uh, something um, to help with that um, sort of ticks the boxes. Well, that's the repair side of things then as we, mm-hmm. as we discussed. So yep. obviously, you yeah. know, they need to give it adequate time for the dog to recover, but also mm-hmm. those amino acids will be repairing all those, mm-hmm. you know, muscle fibers that have been shredded to, mm-hmm. to grow and sort of figure. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and I suppose, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I haven't said it yet, but, uh, you know, I've been using the, the products. You guys did send me some samples. So uh, I want to be make sure that I'm totally transparent <laughs> about that okay. as well. <laughs> you, know, um, yeah. you know, that, um, you know, that I've been uh, using the products and look, I'm, I'm enjoying them and I, I will purchase uh, some more products. There's no doubt about that, you know. So, um, but like yep. today is just about, um, you know, you know, educating people and getting some hints and tips, not just around your products, about just the whole sort of diet and nutrition and, and supplement sort of space as well. Yeah, 100%, Dan. It probably flows into um, another product of ours, Ascent Active, which does have some collagen in it, mm-hmm. but then also it has the organic turmeric, the rose hip and gelatin through mm-hmm. it as well. And that's aimed at active dogs as well, just to help that obviously structural support, but then also turmeric can help with even pain relief and stiffness um, with its natural anti-inflammatory effects. Um, And then also the rosehip with the high antioxidant um, profile and and vitamin C. So, you know, even with some, obviously some of your listeners, if they've been sort of to the vets and, you know, they've tried cortisone or any any sort of painkillers, you know, there's the side effects associated with, you know, with medication. And obviously, as Brian said, long-term, those side effects are going to get worse and worse. So what we're offering is, is, is a natural alternative. And look, we're not saying that our product's going to work 100% in every dog, mm-hmm. but at least, you know, there's no side effects. And that's where some of the vets have been sort of coming to us and go, look, you know, I've, I've, I've tried all the, all the pharmaceuticals, you know, I'm not getting any results. You know, mm-hmm. do you have anything that we could try? Mm-hmm. Um, almost like a worst case scenario, because I've tried everything, you know, to, to, to possibly help this dog. And look, some of the times it's going to work, other times it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. It just depends on the dog and what's happened, how long it's been on medication, how old it is. You know, there's, there's Very, many variables then. Yeah, look, uh, for sure. Um, and uh, sorry, just thing popped into my head as well. Uh, um, uh, your your products, you know, your turmeric and stuff like that. Source in, uh, you know, are they? Can you tell us where they're sourced from? As in uh, locally? No, well, look, we've tried to be honest. With you, turmeric's mm-hmm. very difficult to get mm-hmm. to get in Australia. Um, mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. use an, an organic mm-hmm. um, human grade turmeric, um, which is out of which is out of India. The mm-hmm. the flaxseed meal that we use is is out of Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to source Australia first, but if we mm-hmm. can't, obviously we've got to go. You know, we've got to go overseas. But all the all the ingredients, the rose here. 
the you know the the turmeric um, the collagen and that they're all they're all human grade so we don't use mm-hmm. any second rate or, or third rate animal sort yeah. of um, products which are a lot cheaper so if we did, <clears throat> if we did want to make you know a big, like a really big hefty margin we would <laughs> we would but, but we wouldn't get the results either so mm-hmm. one thing is we don't compromise on quality and and unfortunately you know you gotta you know you gotta pay for quality which is why our products probably so to some people might be a little bit expensive mm-hmm. but you know they work. Mm-hmm. Oh. Look, I, I, I agree. And uh, when it comes to, you know, that versus uh, vet bills or, you know, um, some of the pharmaceutical products that, that people are on for the, you know, for extended period of time, I don't believe that, uh, um, you know, your particular products are expensive compared to some of those uh, pharmaceuticals out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, Dan. No, yeah. Good point you make. Yeah. And just one, one other thing with even those um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, they're driving a particular pathway in the in the dog for that mm-hmm. pain relief, um, being that COX two inhibitor. Mm-hmm. Turmeric and its action with its curcumin is driving that same pathway in a more natural form. Maybe it's not um, as acute, but on a day to day basis in an active dog, it's going to have some sort of effect through that pathway, depending on genetics and environment and mm-hmm. overall diet. But you're not getting that side effect of the membranes drying out, ulcers being prone to ulcers mm-hmm. because it's preserving the membrane as well, what what turmeric, the action of turmeric. So mm-hmm. I th- all these medications have been derived from nature and then isolated and, and played around with that. And, and they're fantastic short-term. If, if the dog's got, is in full discomfort, you need to pop that pill for them. Mm-hmm. But in a long-term view, you've got to look at getting off that and into a natural natural way. Yeah. The point too, then, is mm-hmm. what we try to do is like with obviously the holistic vets and sort of how we developed our products, mm-hmm. we try to get to the cause of the problem, not treat the symptom. Mm-hmm. So the problem in the industry is, you know, and I'm saying all vets, but, you know, the way that a lot of vets are sort of educated is they're not, they're not educated to find the problem and to treat it and cure it. Mm-hmm. It's more like, well, you know, you've got, you know, arthritis, let's just, you know, let's make it, uh, you know, like an anti-inflammatory to, 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 you know, to help with the pain, we're, we're sort of going, well, what's causing that that arthritis in a four-year-old dog? Is this something to do with leaky gut? Mm-hmm. Is this something to do with, you know, you know, there's an allergy to the, you know, to the chicken in the kibble or the raw? Mm-hmm. We we try to dive deeper and actually go, well, what's causing all these problems? And let's try to get to the cause of the problem. When we fix the cause, mm-hmm. then there's no need for the supplements. There's no need for the, you know, for the extra mm-hmm. bed visits. The dog naturally, you know, the body will heal itself. We just got to give it the opportunity. For sure. And then that also, you know, stems down to, uh, you know, as you know, I, I do uh, dog behavior consults as well, you know, uh, having a look at nutrition from a behavior point of view, you know, uh, separate, you know, the whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast, guys, you know, uh, you know, the separation anxiety and the, and the behavior issues that can potentially be, um, you know, trace back to forms of nutrition, you know, um, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, no, 100%, Dan. Um, even in human health, like mm-hmm. serotonin used to be thought of being made at the base of the brain back then. Mm-hmm. 80, I think it's over 80% is made in the gut. So mm-hmm. serotonin is where you, it's a feel good hormone. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if your gut health is not optimal, you're not producing enough serotonin. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling loved or are you feeling that mentally? Mm-hmm. And day after day, if that's not happening, you're not going to feel your best and you're not going to perform at your best. So mm-hmm. that whole gut health is, is becoming even more important. And even today it's still under research. There's so much more 
uh, legwork that all the, all the scientists and that have to get through because it's so complex. But it's really, really nice to see that it's coming to the fore mm -hmm. and we can really genuinely help dog health, horse health, human health through understanding that gut. Yeah, look, I agree. Um, I suppose, you know, um, this is once again, personal opinion, but where have you, you know, where have you guys been and, and, and this is personal views, you know, where you are now in the, you know, in your opinion of uh, this, you know, nutrition space, but you know, I suppose we'll talk about dogs in particular and where do you see it sort of going in, uh, in the next five years? We've, we've seen a huge change in terms of like dog owners not being hundred percent happy with like how the dog is acting. Like, you know, like it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's like it's on red coil. So mm -hmm. gut health, mm -hmm. let's say in humans, you know, our guts connect to the brain through the vagus nerve, you know? So when we have a gut disturbance, our brain is going to be affected with behavior. And obviously if we're feeding sugary foods to our dogs, we can't expect them not to be, you know, running around, you know, a little bit crazy. So people want like now that sort of dogs are treated as, as family, sort of children and what so forth, especially, you know, with the elderly population, they, you know, they want their dog pretty much to be as healthy as what they are. So there's a huge change in terms of feeding more naturally. They're trying to stay away from, from anything processed. They want education. And that's how we started, obviously, with, with the podcast. Um, we've got a six or seven on, on the dog side and almost 30 on the horse side. So education is what people are, are screaming out for. You know, they're happy to spend the money. The problem is they're getting... A different opinion from one company, different from another one. You know, someone's got a vested interest; these guys don't. So, mm -hmm. confusion is 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 the biggest problem. So, we try to basically go on facts. You know, well, this is the latest research we're getting from our nutritionist in America. Mm -hmm. He's been doing this for forty five years. You know, these are the reasons behind it, and this is why we should be doing it. So, mm -hmm. it, it's not that Brian and I are trying to invent this. We're mm -hmm. we're seeking out the most intelligent people in the world and, and picking their brain mm -hmm. to try to get this you know this information out Australia wide, if not around the world, yep. to say, well, you know, this is this is where the problem is. You know, there's no vested interest in this. This is based on facts. This is based on what naturally a dog has evolved on, and this is what we need to be doing. Yeah, look, I agree. And, uh, you know, I think uh, just the response to this podcast in particular, um, people, you know, sending me uh, stuff from, you know, uh, the UK, the US, you know, mm. so all over the place, uh, tuning in and um, loving it so far. So I, I agree there totally that, um, you know, there's a, um, there's a thirst for education out there right now. Yeah, 100%, Dan. From my personal perspective of the industry, how it was five years ago, 10 years ago to now and then beyond, I think it's really refreshing to have vets call us up and looking at that new, that new way of looking at the overall health of the dog in terms of going a more natural way instead of staying on the medications. And I hope that continues and then we can get a really good balance of using medication in the acute form and then using all natural sort of better nutrition and a natural way going for your, your longer term view and then hopefully reducing the risk of problems later on in life above 10 years old in, in dogs and limiting um, even surgeries and giving their quality of life back in those later years. Yeah, look, 100%. Uh, you know, on, on that, I, I, I'd like to sort of just wrap it up, guys. I really appreciate your time. So if anyone's interested in, um, you know, uh, more information on your products or, uh, you know, wanted to reach out, where can they, uh, they find you guys? Yeah, so social media is pretty good with the Send Dog Nutrition uh, Instagram, Facebook. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got an office phone 
phone number website is sendnutrition.com and there's a dog link on the front mm -hmm. uh, and yeah just flick us a message um, through the contact page um, really happy to help even if you've got questions about anything related to dogs even like performance and training mm -hmm. um, we're happy to help and, and direct you to even holistic vet locally if, if you're mm -hmm. looking for one yep, yeah for sure um, and also and also the podcast too, uh, mm -hmm. then on, on Spotify, Apple, Send Dog Nutrition. Yeah. Um, just before we go though, uh, so obviously you're Australia, you know, you guys are based in Australia. What countries are you uh, other outside of Australia? Are your products available in as well? So we we export and, and without bragging um, to, to to one of the biggest shakes in Qatar. Um, we're we're very proud of that. Um, he's got he's got Arabians there. I think there's about 150 Arabian horses. We've had really good. Result. Um, results with the oil and and yeah. and the uh, the joint supplement, the gold. Um, mm -hmm. We've just mm -hmm. sent our first export to the camels in in Saudi Arabia. So there's another market for us there that we we've got into. We're we're almost in Hong Kong. There's a, there's a really big dog market in, in Hong Kong, as as you well know, with with mm -hmm. a lot of people having smaller miniature dogs in in apartments, and, mm -hmm. and there's chronic problems there. So we're we're just finalizing distribution hopefully um, this month, early next month to, to get into Hong Kong. Yep. Um, and there's a few, there's a few irons in a fire as well, sort of mm -hmm. with other countries. Um, yeah. We don't chase business. We just sort of wait for the right people to, to approach us. You know, when, when someone sort of has gone to the trouble to, to contact us, they've done their research or they've, they've heard about the products or one of the friends has used it. And we find that when people come to us, they're more genuine and it's easier to, to, you know, to do business with rather than us trying to convince them or, or you know, trying to force mm -hmm. our products down their throat saying mm -hmm. it's the best thing since, since widespread. Yeah, for sure. No, look, uh, look, Brian and Peter from uh, Send Nutrition, I thank you very much for uh, taking the time to come on the podcast today. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate your time. Not a problem, guys. So if you've liked what you heard today, guys, reach out to Brian or Peter via Send Nutrition. Uh, please feel free to like, subscribe and share this podcast. I'll talk to you next time.